Welcome back to a Mavs Outsider Podcast with your host, Dustin. Doing a post-game pod for the Mavs uh, late-night win against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, A good win for the Mavericks, especially after the past two games. Um, We'll get into that and we'll also, you know, kind of look at other things uh, going on around the league. You know, trades are starting to go down and Actually, really only kind of one big one. I know there was a smaller one a few weeks ago, but uh, the one that uh, the other day or yesterday was a little bit more um, impactful, um, especially when it comes to uh, the Mavericks. So we'll get into that as well as, you know, just look around some of the other teams. But we'll start with the Mavs game. Um, <clears throat> this The game was a uh, late start. And then, obviously, you know, I figured most everybody watched it. It had the 40-some-odd-minute delay to replace the basket. So this game ended really late um, for us here in the central time zone. Now, I know in other parts of the world, you know, y'all's games are always at weird times anyways. But, um, you know, it it was a really good game. Um, for the Mavs, you know, the first half, they, you know, fell down sort of big. You know, they were down, man, I want to say like over 10 points. I know it was over 10 points because they have that stats, but I want to say it was closer to like 15 or 17 points at some point. And I sort of thought <clears throat> that's how the game was going to go because they just, they didn't have the the people. I mean, they were missing, you know, they're obviously missing Porzingis, who I didn't even see on the bench. He could have been there, but I didn't even see him. Um, they're obviously missing Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, he's probably at home because he just had foot surgery, so that's, you know, understandable. And then uh, Maxi was a late start. I guess he has fluid in his knee or something. So they were down basically three rotational players, uh, technically three starters since Maxi's been starting. Um, you know, that was their starting lineup with uh, Luca, Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi, and Porzingis. Um, now, Hardaway was, hasn't been starting since the start of the year, so technically he wasn't a starter, but he's a main rotational player. So when you're down three main rotational players, it's, that's, tough to, um, that's tough to overcome. But the Mavs did it. You know, the basically the second-half defense and – offense is you know what won in the game obviously the the starters were the whole thing you know the they only had eight bench points um Neely Keena had four he he got it on a four-point play Burke only had two and Boban had two uh Josh Green and Marquise Chris didn't um score um Josh Green played hard though you know he he's a tough defender but uh you know, he had seven rebounds, which goes a long way, especially when, you know, I still harp on Powell. He only had five. You know, he had three offensive, but uh, uh, Brunson had five rebounds as well. and But Josh Green had seven, you know. Um, Chris had three. Uh, you know, put that in perspective, Chris played 10 minutes, had three rebounds, and Powell played 34 minutes and had five rebounds. So that part is still a frustrating um, aspect of the Mavs, but they did out rebound uh, Philadelphia, believe it or not, uh, 40 to 36. One of the things that they did well in this game was take care of the ball. 
They only had 10 turnovers. Um, Philly only had 13. Um, the Mavs had eight steals. Uh, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith had three, and Powell had three, and Luka had two. Um, one thing they didn't get this game was a block. There were no blocks for the Mavs. So, uh, but Luka, you know, he had 33 points. He was a plus 19. He had 15 assists, 13 rebounds, three offensive rebounds. Now, his he was only one for six on his threes. They only shot 29% from three. And one of the things that sort of frustrated me was when Luka would go out of the game, the, the offense would get very stagnant. And, um, you know, like even Brunson sort of struggled on his threes. He was one for four. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith... He was three for eight, which technically comes out to 37%, which is a good percentage, theoretically. Bullock was four for 11, which is 36%, which is still a pretty decent percentage. It just it seemed like when Luca went out of the game, though, it got very, very stagnant. Um, you know, like Burke and Green and Chris were all negatives, you know, um, Burke was a minus six, Green is minus four, Chris was a minus one, you know, it was Luca, you know, was the nine plus nineteen, and Dorian was the plus fourteen. Um, you know, Brunson was a one plus one. So uh, this was to me, this was probably one of Luca's best game as a professional. I, I thought he pretty much took over the game in the second half. He could not be stopped in the second half. Um, it didn't matter who they put on him. Um, I do like Thibel. I think Thibel's a really good defender, and he just could not guard him. Um, that Tyrese Maxey, he kept sticking his hand in and trying to swipe the ball away and fouling Luka. He sort of didn't learn from the first time he did it, and he did it again later in the game. And Sometimes you can't. you got to learn from your mistakes when it happens, because I think he did it in the first half, and he didn't learn, and he tried it again in the second half, and he fouled him again. So, um, you know, Jordan Finney-Smith did end up with 13 points. Powell had 14. Brunson had 19. Basically, all the starters, you know, scored all the scored all the points. Um, they played a zone defense for almost the entire game, um, I think, once. I won't say, I won't say entire game. I say when they fell down big, uh, when they started uh, losing, when Philly went up big, they started playing the zone because they couldn't guard them one on one. You know, nobody can. You know, nobody on the Mavericks can guard Joel Embiid one on one. I think even if they're fully healthy, I, I I just don't think Dallas has that guy. You know, not a lot of teams do. You know, to be fair, not a lot of teams do have that guy to guard Embiid. Embiid's a really big player, so. You know, he did end with 27 points, which, you know, is a good game. 13 rebounds. Um, Maxi did have 18. Harris had 13. Harris is the guy who, you know, when the when Philly's playing good, Harris is playing good. Uh, I think the other night I watched a game between Philly and Memphis. And I was disappointed because Embiid didn't play that game. He was resting, and so I was thinking Memphis was going to get a free win. And Philly actually won the game, and Harris scored a lot of points. Um, Harris is Harris reminds me a lot of Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, some nights you might get 30 from him. Now, I think Harris is a better player than Tim Hardaway Jr. I'll say that right now. But 
you know, because Harris didn't even attempt a three-point basket. You know, he was six for eight. You know, he took eight twos and he made six of them. That's really good. The problem is he only took eight of them. You know, for a guy who makes as much money as he does, he needs to be shooting more. And that's just, you know, my opinion. Because that's really good, you know, efficient shooting. Um, but he only, like I said, he only scored 13 points. But Harris is that guy who, you know, Philly could win and he could score 30. And then Philly could win and he could also score eight. You know, he's just... He's so inconsistent. If he was more consistent, you know, that money that he makes might not, you know, look so bad. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, overall, though, like the, the zone defense was great. Um, I thought everybody played it well. Um, everybody did their part. I, it's like they played it the entire second half. Um, I, I felt like nobody was out of place, which was really weird when you – because Dallas hadn't played a lot of zone defense this year. And playing zone defense can be tricky if you're not in the right, if you're not in your right spots when you're supposed to be. And I thought Dallas did a really good job being in the right spots, you know, especially when, you know, Chris even came in and played some zone. And, you know, Chris hasn't played a lot with this team. I know he's been here a couple weeks, but he wasn't here at the beginning of the year. You know, a lot of these guys have been together for three, four, you know, three years. We've talked about that, you know. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith, Powell, Brunson, and Luca have all been teammates for four years now. Um, so, you know, they're pretty good to, uh, to talk to each other on the court. You know, Bullock's the new guy, but, you know, he's played with them long enough to understand where, you know, he needs to be. Um you know, Neil Aquino's a new guy, but he's a good defender overall. So, you know, making sure he's in the right spot isn't, you know, that difficult. Um, but, you know, Josh Green is another guy who's a good defender, and he did a really good job um, being in the right spots and, you know, just defending his area. And I, I thought they played that zone defense perfectly. Um, I, I think after that game, uh, you might see a little more zone. You don't want to play too much zone because sometimes you can play some zone untamed. Like Golden State, uh, you know, you really can't play a lot of zone on Golden State because you'll leave somebody like Curry or Thompson open and they'll make it rain threes. And some of their other guys can shoot threes too. But, you know, to me, Curry for Philadelphia is the only guy you really have to worry about. Embiid can shoot the three. Um, you know, Curry was three for six, um, you know, Thibel's an okay three-point shooter, you know, Harris didn't even shoot threes, Maxi missed two, so he's not a great three-point shooter, that uh, Niang guy was three for four, he's the guy you must cover on the three-point line, but Danny Green's not the player he used to be, um, you know, Danny Green isn't somebody I'd be interested in taking back in any sort of trade, he, he's just not that guy anymore, I, I thought Luca murdered him on the you know, when he tried to defend him, and I thought he played poor offensively. He was a minus 10, and he only had four points. He's played 25 minutes. You know, I, I just I just don't think he's the guy that he used to be, and I, I just, you know, that's sort of one of Philly's problems. Now, um, speaking of Philly, you know, getting into some of the trade rumors, um, rumor has it that Brooklyn's looking to move James Harden and I think that would be a trade that both teams would be willing to do if, you know, Philly wants to get maximum uh, potential out of uh, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons on Brooklyn 
would be kind of crazy. I, I, I've said before, I'm a Ben Simmons fan. I think all the Ben Simmons negativity is wrong. You know, some people, I thought, overreacted to him passing up that dunk in the playoff game. And I get it. It's not a great play. But if you watched that Mavs game last night, Luka must have passed up three or four layups to pass it out. Um, that's just how – I feel like that's just how basketball's played today. You know, you, you drive and kick. And he drove and he kicked. Now, Ben Simmons obviously should have dunked it in that moment. I understand that. Um, and – He's not the first player to have a bad series, you know, to act like he's the first um, big name to have a bad series. Go look at go look at LeBron in the finals when Dallas played him. Dallas shut him down. You know, I didn't hear the coach for Miami, Spolster, come out and say it was LeBron's fault they lost. So I, I just, I, I thought all the negativity towards Ben Simmons was wrong. Now, I also think he's being a little childish about it as well. Uh, you know, you've got to work through that. And maybe there's some, you know, mental issues there. I, I don't know. But I think once he's in, once he's away from the team, I think everything for him will be fine. I think I'd be willing to bet he stayed in shape. He's not, um, um, he doesn't look like a guy who who takes nights off, you know. He's not a. He's probably ready to play basketball, and Brooklyn really, really needs somebody who is ready to play basketball. They uh, they lost again yesterday, and I believe it's like their seventh in a row. Uh, they've fallen really hard in the standings. Utah beat them, which would have been nice had. Um, Utah lost for Dallas, but the Pelicans did lose, or the sorry, the Pelicans did win against the Nuggets. So the Nuggets got a loss, which was really good for um, Dallas. Uh, you know, a lot of the other games that went on last night really didn't affect Dallas much in the standings. Um, as far as you know, there's a lot of Eastern Conference uh, matchups last night. You know, San Antonio did play Houston, but that doesn't really affect Dallas. And OKC played Portland. And that doesn't affect Dallas either. So um, Portland did make a trade. They traded Norman Powell and uh, Robert Covington to the Clippers for uh, Eric Strickland. It's not it's Eric Strickland. It's, uh, man, Eric Strickland was a, a Mavs player. Um, his his uh, name has, like, slipped my mind. Um, Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Justice Winslow and Keon Johnson. Now, I don't know. I, I think this was sort of a, a salary dump for Portland, which intrigues me with the, you know, Covington is not the same player. Obviously, getting rid of Covington was a good move by Portland. He's not done anything to help them, and he's making a lot of money. The Norman Powell, now Norman Powell's helped them a lot. Um, I will say Eric Bledsoe, is a good player. He's not, obviously he's not a star, an all-star. He's not the player he used to be, but he is a good player. He's a serviceable player. Justice Winslow's not the guy he used to be. Justice Winslow at one point was a quality rotational guy when he was in Miami. 
and then injuries set in. Um, now, Keon Johnson, the guy I don't know, he may be a young player, and if that's the case, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why they made the trade was to bring in a younger player to, you know, sort of rebuild with. And it makes me curious as to know what um, what else Portland might do. You know, can Dallas get in that C.J. McCollum sort of trade um, trade talk? You know, does Portland have anything Dallas wants that might require Josh Green? Um, so you have to decide if, you know, trading Josh Green is worth it. Um, I don't know if you'd have to put somebody like Hardaway in the deal to make it work. Um, I've not worked out any sort of trade machine type things, but uh, as far as Norman Powell and Covington going to the Clippers, that's that's a good pickup for them. Um, but at the end of the day, I still don't think it's going to matter until either Kawhi or Paul George return. Um, I don't know if Kawhi will. I, I just like I said, he in his if I'm going to go by what he's done in his past. I just don't think he returns. Now, Paul George is an indifferent. Um, Paul George is a bit different. Paul George might not be able to return based on his injury. So I, I don't know. I don't keep up enough with it to know. But if, if you were to get both George and Kawhi at the end of March, um, the Clippers might be a scary team for one of those teams up top, you know, one of the top three teams who they might end up facing. Uh, so... It'll, it'll actually probably be one of the top two teams because I, I don't foresee the Clippers or, or any team catching um, Dallas or Denver. Um, to me, Dallas and Denver and Utah are going to be fighting for the 4-5-6. You know, I think I said in the last pod. And I think Minnesota, the Clippers, and the Lakers will be fighting for the 7-8-9. And that 10th spot, it could be anybody. Now, New Orleans is a team that's come out that's interested in making trades. They're interested in, in being buyers. Um, I don't know. That's that's an interesting... Um, that would be an interesting thing if they sort of pulled off a C.J. McCollum deal uh, and added that to you know what they have. If you were to get Zion back, I, I don't think... You know, I don't think they're, you know, winning the title. But, you know, if you're playing a healthy New Orleans team and you're getting Zion and McCollum in that team, you know, that playoff tournament becomes a little more interesting, you know, if they do indeed make that, you know, because they're only half a game behind Portland for that 10th spot. And Portland just dumped an, a very important player in Powell. So I, I would be interesting to see you know, how that goes. I, I don't know what's going on with Zion. I don't know if he's ever coming back. I wonder if he's ever going to play another NBA game sometimes. Um, I, I haven't even seen him. I don't know what he looks like anymore. Like, as far as, you know, what last time they had showed him, he was a little um, chunky. And I think one of the things they were trying to do is have him lose weight. And it worked with Luka, you know. You can... Say what you want, you know, Luca was a little bit chunky and a thick around the edges, but he's obviously in better shape when you see him. You can even tell just by the way he looks and also by the way he plays. Um, so 
you know, hopefully that's something New Orleans is done. I want to see Zion play. I want to see Zion play a 70-game season as an NBA fan, you know. Um, I want to see him play. Uh, I want to see everybody play. I want to see Kawhi out there and Paul George. But, uh, you know, Jamal Murray and Porter Jr. Uh, you know, Utah's a team that had a lot of injuries, but they got Mitchell back. And, you know, they beat Brooklyn last night. And, you know, like I said, that's Brooklyn's seventh loss in a row. So, you know, Utah might, you know, be winning, you know, back to sort of their winning ways with getting some of their players back. Now, there's rumors that the relationship between Mitchell and um, Gobert aren't great. I don't know how true that is. You never know with, you know, when they say the relationships like that. Because for me, it's like, just because they don't hang out at bars together doesn't mean they're not friends or that nobody says they have to be friends. They just have to be teammates. So, you know, I, you know, I'd be interested to see what happens there. Now, one thing that Dallas could do is I, I do think that, you know, the Knicks are looking to move Kimball Walker, but I don't know if they're looking to necessarily take anything back. And Dallas does have that trade exception. If you could turn, that Trey Burke roster spot into Kimball Walker, you know, you just basically you release or buy out or even trade Burke to somebody, you know, if you have to give him a second-round pick. And then if you're able to bring in um, Kimball Walker as a replacement, I think that's a huge addition to this team offensively. Um, you, you would bring in a guy who could essentially, you know, handle the ball. You know, you don't have to rely so much on Luka and Brunson. You bring in another ball handler. There's no guarantee you're going to get Dragic at this point. Um, I did. There was a story that said if Dragic is traded to another team, there he's most likely going to be bought out by the team he goes to. Whether that's true or not, I mean, if it's a team that really wants him for his, you know, ability to play guard. I don't think that would be a thing, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know why you would trade a serviceable point guard. Trade for a serviceable point guard and not want to use them. Um, but if if that's something, you know, Dallas can do, I, I would just like to see them, you know, make that move to where if, you know, even Indiana is looking to, you know, move some guys. There's some guys on Indiana's team that fit in that trade exception, and if you don't have to give up anything and you can use that trade exception, like Jeremy Lamb. Now, Jeremy Lamb's not, like, a great player, but Jeremy Lamb improves the depth of this team, and I, I just think, you know, it's it's a guy that you can put in the rotation and play. So um, I, I don't know who you would, you know, at the, at the end of the day, if you're trying to get Dragic... And use your trade exception. That means you've got to get rid of two players. And I, I just, other than Burke, I, I don't know what that other player would be for Dallas. Um, my guess it would be Moses Brown. You know, Moses Brown, you know, they could have used Moses Brown yesterday. They ended up using Boban. Uh, apparently he's really fallen out of uh, the rotation, really hardcore. Um, if if Moses Brown is a guy you've got to trade to a, a young team who's looking just even Detroit taking on a guy like Moses Brown to you know basically 
just see if he can play. You know, for at this point, Detroit's looking to develop players, and Moses Brown. If they if Moses Brown's not going to be good for another two years, a team like Detroit has time. So, you know, Trey Burke and Moses Brown will probably be the guys that end up being um, moved if they are able to sort of bring in Dragic on a buy from a buyout and use that trade exception to just bring in a player, you know, a role player for um, you know, for nothing, you know. Some of these teams are looking to get rid of salary without bringing anything back and the best way to do that is take a trade exception because you're not taking a salary back. So basically, um, I, I I think if Dallas makes moves, that'll be it. Um, so uh, somebody did put a list out of teams that or players that might or may not be available that fit under that trade exception. And like I said, I think Kimball Walker's one of them, and I think Jeremy Lamb is one of them. So you, you never know um, what they end up doing, but I, I do think that I do think at the least they'll probably bring in Dragic. I, I, I don't think they'll move anybody. I, I I, you know, I said in my last pod they should be looking to move everybody, and I, I just don't think they'll move anybody. You know, Kristaps Porzingis is a guy that, you know, you could move, and it would help you basically hit a reset button without necessarily hitting a reset button. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is also another guy, but if you move Tim Hardaway Jr., you've got to give it. You've got to give somebody something because. You know, he's making a lot of money and he's hurt. So I don't think he'll be moved. But uh, like I said, if anything, I think Dallas will bring in Drogic because he's going to get bought out. I think they'll get rid of Burke. And I think if they're able to make a deal with a team who's looking to just dump salary for that trade exception, and I believe it's like $11 million. So like I said, you're limited to you know $10 million players. And under, you know, like the Kimball Walkers and Jeremy Lamb, you know, of the world. And I guess the only reason I bring up Jeremy Lamb is because he's been brought up in the past. So um, I, that's the only thing I could see happening. I think if you bring in Kimball Walker, I don't know if you bring in Drogic, that you're kind of a little guard heavy at that point. Uh, maybe that's what they want. I don't know. Drogic, Drogic is a little bit bigger of a guard. So um, I couldn't see them necessarily doing that, but... You never know at this point with this team. They might make the trade to with New York to bring in Drog or to bring in Kimball Walker, and then Dragic just might become available. So, you know, at one point they were loaded on bigs, and it's and now it could be you know the other way around where they're loaded on guards. So um, it'll be interesting to see. We only have a few more days left, I believe. Um, there's only like five days left in the trade deadline to the trade deadline so it'll be interesting to see if they do make that move um so uh i'm gonna go ahead and end it there uh the mavericks do play sunday um they play i believe the atlanta hawks in dallas now atlanta was one of the first few games they played I don't know if it was the first game of the I think it was the first game of the season and Dallas pretty much got blown out um hopefully they can sort of redeem themselves and play a little bit better this time I don't know who 
I don't think Maxi will play, and I don't think, and I know Hardaway's not going to play. It's Porzingis. I don't know what Porzingis' status is. I don't know how serious his soreness is. I, I don't know what that means. So Porzingis is the only one I could foresee. You know, Porzingis is the only one that I know is a maybe or maybe not. You know, I don't think Mac. Once if you have like liquid in your knee, you're not just gonna miss one game. Or, or fluid in your knee is what they call it. I don't think you're just gonna miss one game. So that's Maxi. He's probably looking to be out a few weeks. Um, Hardaway obviously had the surgery, so he's gonna be out till at least April. If if we're lucky, he might come back. Um, you know, he's not. That's I think it's the same injury Zion had, but you know, Zion weighs you know two hundred fifty pounds, and Hardaway doesn't weigh that. You know, Hardaway is a lot a smaller guy. You know, smaller guys can deal with that injury a lot better than bigger guys. So um, I, I think uh, Durant had it once, so um, and he's just fine. So I I, I do think uh, Porzingis is the one that I just don't know if he's going to play or not. Um, that'll be the one that. That's what we don't know. So I guess I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Um, if I can, I got this um, sort of, let's see. So if you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can at the Mavs Outsider. And if you could rate and review your podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast, I'd appreciate it. And until next time, we'll see you later.